Welcome to the Hoffmantown Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's message from Hoffmantown Church. This is kind of a unique sermon this morning. Uh, we're kind of walking through Hoffmantown Church member expectations. Uh, about a year ago, I was reading something. I get all kinds of email and um, interesting, some of them, some of them not so much. They hit file 13 pretty quick. But this one hit me, and I thought, you know, there's a real truth to this. And as elders, we talked about this, and, and God just led in the timing of this to put this together with our seven pillars. Um, we tell people when you come here, you go to the Next Step class, and we have all these expectations. Many of you have signed a, a church member covenant. And in it, there are some very specific things that we say as a church body, we agree to be unified in and we're going to participate in. And the article I read was interesting because they said, you know, we, we tell people that when they first come to church and they join, and then we never say anything about it at all whatsoever. And I think there's a real truth to that. We need to encourage one another, right? Which doesn't mean we just pat one another on the back and say, boy," And maybe that's part of it. But we also need to walk in truth and we need to walk with the Lord and as a church body, as we're unified and as we preserve the unity that's already ours in Christ, what we really need to be making sure is that we encourage one another to follow God and what does that look like? Right? If there are things that are taking place in somebody's life that aren't right, we don't just, oh, ignore that and turn around over here and talk about that. Talk about that individual or gossip. We have a responsibility before the Lord to love one another, and what does that look like? So when we talk about church membership, there's a whole bunch of interesting facts in this and interesting ideas in this, and I just want to kind of walk through that. In K-Group, in just a little bit, uh, K-Group leaders are going to lead you through some of the next step materials, and I want to encourage you to, to go. The, some of the classes are going to be combined, so if you go to your normal class and there's nobody there, ask somebody, right, because they probably have combined with another class for the sake of the materials and some of the um, technology and all that kind of stuff, so make sure you, you find that out. Let me preface this in this way. Many organizations have membership policies or structures, I would suggest really everybody does, don't, don't they? JCC has rules. <laughs> Jonathan just joined the JCC so that he could go and use the gym and practice, play basketball, do all that kind of stuff. And they've got certain rules. Let me throw one at you that was kind of interesting to me. Uh, you don't have to be Jewish to join. In other words, if somebody says, well, you have to be Jewish in order to be a part of the JCC, you've immediately contradicted what they have established as their organizational structure. The Planet Fitness, anybody Planet Fitness members, Purple Team? It's always interesting for me to go in. They've got this big board when you walk in, and on it they've got all this thing. And basically uh, what they say is uh, there's no condemnation here at this place. Right? There's no judgment about how well you can uh, exercise or, or not. We're here to help you in whatever way that you want. So it's a no judgment zone. Anyone can come as long as you pay. <laughs> right? 
You can't just walk in and say, hey, thanks so much, great, no judgment zone. I, I like that machine over there, I'm going to use that. They're going to ask you, are you a member? You, do you have, did you pay? And then if you're a certain level member, you have more rights. It's always interesting because we're the lowest denomination member. We just kind of get in. But they've got this one room that I go past every time I'm over there, and it's got like a water massage therapy bed. Have you ever seen one of these things? I've seen it, but I haven't used it because I don't meet that level of membership. <laughs> if I went in and said, hey, I want to use that bed, they'd say, are you this level of membership? Everybody's got these things that kind of are restrictive and people look at it and go, wow, of course. Businesses. In today's day and age, there seems to be a push to have businesses have a family atmosphere. And I don't think that's necessarily wrong. As such, certain rules and defined behavior is expected. There's no discrimination based on ethnic origin and or whether you're male or whether you're female, right? You have drug-free zones, etc. I mean, we could go on and on and on about this. In other words, there's parameters. There's parameters. If you want to be a part of this organization, this club, this place, then here are the expectations and here's what we expect of you and here's what you've got to agree to in order to be a part well, amen. I don't think anybody here would say that's a problem. But it's always interesting to me to hear when we talk about the church. And all of a sudden, it becomes this, what seems to be, uh, a moment where legalism is brought up. Well, we're being legalistic if. Hmm. American citizen has certain requirements. Right? There's certain things that we would say you've got to do in order to be an American citizen, or at least I sure hope. I hope. We're a church. We're an organism. We're not simply an organization. Hopefully we're an organized organization, but we're organized by the Lord. And so let me clarify at least something immediately up front. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and you have been saved because of the promise of God, you are automatically a member of the body of Christ or the universal church. If you never join a local church that does not forfeit your membership, citizenship in the universal church, the body of Christ, and it certainly doesn't cause you to lose eternal life in Christ Jesus. You, you can be a member of the universal church and not be a member of a local church. You, you don't have salvation because you're a member of Hoffmantown. You have, a, have salvation because you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? That's exactly right. If you're here today and you're visiting, you're welcome. We want you to come and attend. Amen to that. No issues. But there are certain expectations, requirements for membership within this local body. And I think that's important to understand. We would urge for the sake of loving accountability, for freedom of participation, fullness of fellowship to join or commit to, become a member of a local body of believers in a covenant agreement. This is not a legalistic issue. 
This is not an issue where we're trying to impose something on people. This is for the sake of unity. This is for the sake of a covenant agreement where a group of people come together in order to declare their allegiance to the Lord first and foremost and their agreement on unity in moving forward within a body of believers. That's essential. I think it's always interesting. We all have locks on our doors at home, don't we? Is there anybody here that doesn't lock their front door? Yeah. What about your car? (laughs) Boundaries are a part of kind of what we do, and for good reason. Right? The church building or the church as a as a membership should not be a free-for-all where anyone who wants to join up can saunter in. We, we, don't, we don't do church membership because we're trying to keep people out, so to speak. We do church membership because we want to make sure we understand who wants to join, and we want to make sure that the gospel is proclaimed to them if they don't know Christ, and we want to make sure that believers are coming together in a way where there's a concerted effort an agreement on what we agree on, what we believe, and how to walk forward together. All are welcome to attend. Amen. Not all are believers, and therefore not all are and or can be members. Not all should be members. Believers should be members of the local body of Christ. Our Constitution puts this well, and I've appreciate the way the writers clarified this. It said, church membership is not specifically mentioned or required in Scripture and therefore is not required for anyone choosing to attend Hoffmantown Church and its functions. If you're not a member, you know what? Please come to the Steve Green concert. Please come to our missions conference. Come on Sunday mornings. Join and get involved in a K-group. Amen. No problem. Welcome to attend. But there are certain things that we want to walk through to make sure that membership is protected. Our Constitution requires basically five things for membership. First of all, one must be a believer. Secondly, you need to be scripturally baptized. That means immersed. We believe that's what the word baptized means. That's not necessary for salvation. We have made certain exceptions on this because every individual's circumstance is unique. But we do believe fundamentally that Jesus Christ commanded that when a person places their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, that as a result, they are then, therefore, to be scripturally baptized. It is a command of Christ. It's not optional. And again, I think with grace, we can look at certain exceptions I've had uh, people come and, you know, the honest truth is they were in a physical predicament where putting them underwater was clearly not healthy. (laughs) And so we've said, you know what, we we understand your heart's in the right place. Praise the Lord. But I want to tell you something. If you don't really have an excuse other than, well, I'm, I'm worried about being in front of a whole bunch of people. Oh, friend. I don't see that exception clause written into Jesus' command. Do you? Amen. Our Constitution also makes this clear. The person seeking membership must enter into a covenant stating that they will, and there's several things. First of all, uphold the doctrine and principle of the ministry. 
Meaning, what is it that the church body is involved in and serving? So there's doctrine and then there's the principles of the ministry. Secondly, to seek to live in unity with other members of the church. Amen. You become a member here, we want you to enter into a covenant agreement that you didn't come here in order to grab your own group and create division. You can uh, disagree, but we can agree to disagree agreeably. Now, if it's fundamental doctrine, we got a problem, don't we? And we got to guard that. We got to watch over that. We got to be careful. The third one is <laughs> oh, our day and age. We need to submit to the authority of the elders of the church. And I would say to the Lord Jesus Christ, first and foremost, because he's the shepherd, he's the elder, if I could put it that way. And then to, in effect, the leaders that God has placed over this body in order to make sure that God is heard. Man, authority is an amazing situation in our day and age, isn't it? I mean, we've got a whole... Uh, states now declaring that they don't have to listen to what the law is. Yikes. We've got people marching about all kinds of stuff. And we watch this lawlessness take place. And it's sad. Unfortunately, it's impacted the body of Christ. Maybe you've been in a situation at some point in time where a leader has hurt you use their role as a leader in order uh, to somehow get you to do something, to manipulate you or to tell you to do something that shouldn't have been. I, I think we probably all have been there at some point in time. And that's hard to overcome sometimes because trust is a fragile thing. But ultimately, we believe in the Lord and we trust in the Lord. And we trust the Lord that whatever's been filtered through his hands for our lives is from him or certainly allowed by him and that he's going to bring good out of it. Therefore, we can trust him to make things right. And in the midst of that, we walk in such a way that we reveal that trust. We say yes to the Lord, and that includes submission to authority. I think our Constitution makes very clear that it is essential that those in leadership and in serving positions within the church be unified through the Holy Spirit and biblical doctrine. Our church leadership needs to be unified by the means of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's the one that organizes this because we're an organism. And we need to be unified through him and we need to be unified in biblical doctrine. Because I would suggest to you this, that when there's factions, when there's disunity, it usually goes back to a belief system. And it goes back to a belief system that is not in alignment with somebody else's belief system. And as a result, there's conflict. Well, I believe this, and I believe it so much so that I'm willing to act on it. Well, I believe this, and I believe it so much that I'm willing to act on that. And now we immediately have conflict. How do we walk in fellowship with one another, preserving the unity that we already have in Christ. That's essential. So therefore, I think it's pretty clear, in order to teach and or hold a leadership role in this body of believers, you need to be a member. Is this legalistic? No, I think it simply allows for accountability. It allows for accountability. Let me reverse this a second and think of it this way. Is it legalistic to say that deacons must meet the requirements set forth in Timothy and Titus? 
Was Paul being legalistic when he said, here's what a deacon ought to look like? That list. Is that legalistic? Or what about elders? Here's what elders ought to look like. Pastors ought to look like. Is that legalistic? I don't think so. Are we being legalistic when we say that teachers for our church ought to be role models for those who they are teaching? Is James being legalistic when he affirms that teachers are going to be judged with a stricter judgment, a stricter standard? Is that legalistic? No, I don't think so. I think that's called accountability. I think it's important. So why membership? Why membership? Well, first, to make sure to protect doctrinal integrity or biblical beliefs within the body of Christ, within our membership. We need to make sure that we protect doctrinal integrity and biblical thinking. Secondly, to make sure influential decisions are protected. Now, think about that. Somebody's not a member or somebody and or anybody can be a member and we're trying to discern what the Lord uh, is leading us in and anybody and everybody has a say in that. I think that's problematic, don't you? Thirdly, to make sure the membership of our church is protected, including our children. The next generations. We need to be very careful to make sure that biblical doctrine as well as even the safety of our kids, that we understand who our members are. We need to protect the kids. Fourthly, to make sure of a believer's willingness to commit or agree to a foundational level of participation within the family, in other words, the church. I think one of the fundamental things that the church body is called is the family of God. There's the bride of Christ, and there's all kinds of things, but we're a family. We're a family, folks. And there are certain ways to act and behave that are given to us in Scripture from the Lord through the writers of the New Testament when it comes to how we ought to treat one another and and what our focus ought to be and and what we should be uh, believing and how we should be conducting our lives, not only at church with one another, but within the community. That's essential. Brothers and sisters in Christ, brother to brother, sister to sister, brother to sister, sister to brother, all of us are within a family community. And as such, there are certain things that we ought to be able to say to one another wholeheartedly and in agreement. And I don't have time to go through all the one another's, but it's pretty remarkable when you look at them, isn't it? Because all of that reflects the Lord in us as he transforms us as well as he reveals himself through us. And I think that's essential. So one of the things that we desire to do is to communicate as much as possible transparently who we are as a church body. What is the expectation so that believers can make informed, prayerful decisions about God's leading in their lives in order to join or in order to uh, agree in terms of a covenant agreement to be a member of this church. That's why we do the next step class, because we want to we share with people, this is what we believe, here's why. We believe this is what Scripture teaches, here's why we do what we do. So clearly to have a voice or to have input in direction or decisions of the body, somebody must be a member. When you come, you're welcome to come to our congregational meeting and hear what's going on. 
but we're really interested in those who have uh, committed as the Lord has led them to be a part of this body in a covenant relationship. We're interested in hearing what is the Holy Spirit saying to you about what we ought to do with the property or what we ought to do with money, what we ought to do here or there or whatever the direction ought to be because we want to make sure that we're listening attentively to those who have committed to say this is where God's called us and we have certain agreements in place. In order to teach or hold leadership roles, as I said, you must be a member. And this helps provide integrity, continuity, and unity of direction, doctrine, as well as stated desire for calling into the family of Christ at Hoffmantown Church. I think those things are pretty evident in many different ways. We can't just have anybody come and teach and they say, well, I, I don't believe in the virgin birth. And I know you do. And I love the Lord as much as you do. What, what would that look like? That would really be bad moments, wouldn't it? Talk about confusion within the body. Well, they're teaching this, and you're teaching this, and that doesn't even make sense. We can even go to the philosophical to where we say, well, we, we just walked through the seven pillars, and if you really don't agree with the seven pillars, we respect you and we love you in the love of Christ. But that's what we believe. And if you're going to teach something completely different than that, and you're going to role model something completely different than that, that's not acceptable. Because it creates division within the body of Christ. Let me give you six things that actually are in our next step class. It's in our membership covenant. Uh, and by the way, if you're in the K groups in just a little bit, and you uh, want to look at one of those member covenants, we can get that for you. And let me also say this. If you haven't joined this church body and you're interested in doing that and you walk through this material in our K groups, uh, the only thing that we would ask you to do is meet with somebody, either your director of the K group or your K group leader, or if you need help with some of the elders, because we want to hear your story. We want to hear your testimony. We want to hear what is it that God's doing in your life? How did God lead you here? And how is it that he's calling you to be a part of this place? We don't want to eliminate the personal um, communication there. That's important. So if you go through these uh, classes and you've never done the Next Step class before and you've never joined before, the only other thing that we would ask you to do is make sure you understand the covenant agreements, uh, make sure that you sign those, and then get with somebody and let's walk through what is your testimony and let's have a conversation. Because we would love for you to join Hoffman Town. <laughs> Six things, right? First of all, and these are, this is kind of my language, but it's inherent within the covenant. Uh, grow in Christ. Be a disciple. <laughs> I mean, that sounds so simplistic, but it's really true, isn't it? I mean, when, we, when you join a church membership, it's not just to sit and not do anything. We want you to grow in Christ. We want you to grow in who the Lord is, what he's done for you. We want you to grow in your identity in the Lord. Secondly, we, we do expect for there to be submission to the Lord and the leadership of the church. That's an expectation. Thirdly, to cultivate loving relationships. Cultivate loving relationships. And I would encourage you in this. I think that's where the K-group arena comes in. A lot of people will come and attend uh, worship services, but they're not really a part of a smaller group where that personal interaction 
can take place. And we would really encourage you to do that. But certainly to cultivate loving relationships. Fourthly, to gather together for worship, preaching to the choir. Amen. Glad you're here. Right? We think this is absolutely essential. It's commanded in Hebrews, and we'll look at that in a second. Uh, we also believe that it's important that members give of their time, their talent, their treasure. That's important because we're members. We're in a covenant relationship with one another, and I think scripturally it's pretty clear that those things in a person who is yielded to Christ and growing in Christ, those things are going to take place. And lastly, to engage in Christ-initiated service. To engage in Christ-initiated service. <laughs> when we say Christ-initiated service, it's, it doesn't mean that if I come to you and say, you better do this, man. This is your fit. You get over there into that nursery, and whether you like kids or not, you are going to change a diaper. <laughs> that may not fit under the banner of Christ-initiated service. You know what I'm saying? Hilarious. So first, grow in Christ, be disciples. Hebrews chapter 5, let me throw a bunch of verses at you. And obviously with one sermon, I mean, we, we, could, we could go through this a lot, but let me give you a few thoughts on this. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 11 and following. The writer of Hebrews is telling these believers, he says, concerning him we have much to say, it's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles, meaning the word of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infinite. But solid food is for the mature who, because of practice, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. What's the writer doing? He's, he's telling them, listen, folks, what happened here? You haven't grown. I wanted to share this with you, but you're not ready to receive it because you've become dull of hearing. The idea is you shouldn't be dull of hearing. You should be growing in Christ. You should be learning from the Word, and you should be able, as a teacher, not necessarily a position and or the gifting, but as as somebody who's able to share with somebody else, you ought to be able to tell them the truth of the word of God. It's great to be on milk for a little while, but if you are 70 years old and still on milk, if you're 60 years old and still on milk, 50, 40, 30, 20, 10, 5, and you're still on milk, we got a problem. What's going on? What's happening? Are you growing in Christ? Clearly from the word of God, the idea is that when you become a believer, that you then begin this journey where you walk with the Lord and you begin to grow in the power of his strength and his might. And you mature. And mature doesn't mean that you never wrestle with sin. Mature doesn't mean that you've arrived. Mature means in this context that you're able to discern what's of your flesh versus what's of God. That's essential. 1 Peter 2, 1 through 3, Peter puts it this way, Therefore, putting aside all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn babies. He doesn't say, be a newborn baby. Right? He's, he's given an analogy, and he's saying, like a newborn baby, do what? Long for the pure milk of the word. 
That word long literally means crave it. And it's a command. It's not optional. Obviously, the Holy Spirit within us is the one that develops our appetites as we yield to him. So the picture is, as a believer, continue to grow in Christ. How? By getting into the word of God. By longing and craving for the word of God. Why? Because... He goes on that by it, the word, you may grow in respect to salvation. And verse 3 has created all kinds of consternation because of the word if. It ought to be translated the word since. Since you have tasted the kindness of the Lord. Because you're believers, now grow. How? Get into the word of God. Crave the word of God. Just like a newborn baby craves. Secondly, submit to the Lord and the leadership of the church. Hebrews 13, 17 is unequivocal. I believe it is simple in its statement, very easily understood, not necessarily easily walked in. Obey your leaders and submit to them. (laughs) Can I say that? I love you, I love you, I love you. (laughs) Obey your leaders and submit to them. Who first and foremost? The Lord Jesus Christ, amen? If I or an elder or a pastor or any director or anybody in leadership positions within this body begins to tell you to do something unbiblical that does not give you permission to go and do something that is not of God. We are to follow the Lord first, amen? And so we got to make sure that our leaders, elders, Pastors, directors, K-group teachers, all the way through are people of the word. Where ultimately what we're saying is not you follow me, but follow the Lord. And here, by the way, is what God's word says. And then the writer says, obey your leaders and submit to them. For they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. Boy, that's an amazing statement. I won't dwell on this too much, but I I do believe that in our day and age and in our culture, submission in all of its different various arenas, within the home, husbands and wives, within churches, uh, within families, children, the parents, I mean, within all kinds of uh, community moments, submission to authority is something that is deeply troubling today. Deeply, deeply troubling. And I think we as the people of God really need to take a hard, long look at our own lives And ask, can we say to people that we love our Lord, that we are submitted to our Lord, and at the same time not do what has been commanded of us in terms of submitting to our leaders? How does that work? And I think it's a horrible picture to the community. I would say, Hoffmantown, that so many of you are absolutely in alignment with the Lord and willing to follow God and submissive, and I applaud you for it. Thank God for individuals like yourselves who are willing to even have an elder form of government, to walk in that and to walk with the Lord. 
Let's make sure we continue that and walk in that in a way that reflects Christ in every aspect of it for the community. Because our communities, more than ever, our day and age where lawlessness is increased desperately needs people to be willing to say, this is my need, this is my thought, this is my right even, and I'm willing to lay that aside in order to follow the Lord first and foremost and the leadership. Desperately in need of that. James 4, 7 says, submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Amen. Thirdly, to cultivate loving relationships. 1 Thessalonians 4.9, he says, Now as to the love of the brethren, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to do what? Love one another. (laughs) How do you do that? You just wake up one day and make a list? No, no, no. That comes as a result of submitting to the Lord Jesus Christ and Christ who is love being revealed in and through our lives. And 1 John 3.23 is such a beautiful statement. This is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. Amen. The Holy Spirit within us empowering us to do what in and of our own selves we would never be able to do. God's love being poured through us to those around us. Fourthly, to gather together for worship. And again, speaking to the choir here, amen. Hebrews 10, 23 through 25, he says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Not forsaking our own assembling together. That word in the Greek literally cannot be translated in any other way than corporate worship. Corporate gathering. You know how I look at this? I look at this as a gathering. I look at our worship service as a gathering of all of our K groups. A gathering of all our ministry areas where the people of God, as we're all involved in different aspects of this church, come together with one heart, with one voice, with one mind in order to come before the Lord to praise him and to declare the truth and the reality of who he is and sit under the authoritative teaching of the word of God. That's what this is. And that's a beautiful picture when it comes to the church. Fifth, to give of time, talent, and treasure. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and following, says, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind. Regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Give of yourself. Serve one another. Whatever the need may be, if you have a need, put it to the side and consider it secondary to the need of somebody else. In Acts chapter 20, verse 35, he says, In everything I showed you, that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, that he himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. See, a lot of times people look at 
the encouragement to give, whether it's of your time and whether it's of your energies and whether it's of your finances, as something that is being imposed because there's a selfish motivation and why you're being asked to do this. And sometimes that's absolutely true, unfortunately. But I would side with the Apostle Paul on this where he says, when we ask you to give, it is to your account. It is to your benefit. When you get to experience God and follow the Lord in service, guess what? You get to experience God in a fresh and invigorating way because the Lord begins to teach you and grow you. When you give financially, what happens is all of a sudden there's a heart struggle, isn't there? The Lord made it pretty clear. You can't have treasure in two different places. Your heart is going to go. You, you can't be divided. You can't serve wealth and at the same time uh, love the Lord. You can't serve the Lord. So you've got to look at this and say, okay, from, from a teaching perspective of how to follow God and walk with the Lord, isn't it important that all of us encourage one another not to be attached to the things of this world? And if we're not giving financially, and there are times when that is completely acceptable and understandable because you may be going through a family crisis. You may have parents that you need to take care of. There's all kinds of different aspects to this. But if your heart in it is hardened towards giving to the Lord, then it's a heart issue, friend. And we want to come alongside and say, wait a second, what does the Word of God have to say about this? Because if you're attached to the treasures of this earth, that is not healthy. It is not healthy. Is something that you need to walk in and say, Lord, you, you actually own it all. Titus 3.14 says, Our people must also learn to engage in good deeds to meet pressing needs so they will not be unfruitful. Or Romans 12.13, and again, there's, wow, I could go to many, many different verses on this, but he says, Contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. See, when we give... As a body of believers, how are we taking care of one another? How are we looking forward to what God wants to do with his money and his resources in order to see the kingdom grown? Well, lastly, to engage in Christ-initiated service. In other words, to make disciples. That's what it really comes down to. I'm very aware of the time, so hang on with me real quick, okay? First of all, to make disciples, the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, to my understanding, that is a command. It's not go, the command. Some of you are breathing a very deep sigh of relief because Africa just got taken off the map. Right? Not all of you are called to, like, Emery and, and Carol go to Burma, or Roger and Kathy go to Papua New Guinea. Amen. <laughs> but we all are called and actually commanded to make disciples. As you're going, make disciples. Share with them who Christ is. See them converted. Identify them through baptism. Right? Baptism is just an outward expression of an inward reality. And then do what? Teach them all that I have commanded. What a beautiful picture. All of us ought to be engaged in some way, shape, or form in that command to make disciples. 
We have the ministry of reconciliation, 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 19. He says, now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us, gave believers, the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. What a beautiful picture. Do you realize that as believers, we have a service. That's what ministry means, a service to share Christ and how to be reconciled with God through the Lord Jesus Christ to those who are lost, who are destined for hell. That is part of what we all ought to be a part of. And lastly, the gifts and at least one has been given to us. To each one, a spiritual gift has been given. Why? To help build up the body of Christ. And I like how Ephesians 4 puts it. In verses 15 through 16, he says, But speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in what? Love and love. Each of us, when we come to know Christ, when we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and we're saved, we're justified. It's a done deal. At that moment, we enter into a journey that we would call, in a fancy way, sanctification. In other words, becoming holy, becoming what God has already declared us to be. And we have, at that moment in time, been given at least one spiritual gift. Why? For the working together of the body of Christ, the church, so that as each and every one of us begin to yield to the Lord and are beginning to be utilized by the Lord in the spiritual gifting that he has for us, we actually become an integral part of the body of Christ in helping the body of Christ be built up in love. Wow. What a beautiful picture that is. I love it. I said a lot, didn't I? <laughs> Sometimes, yeah, amen. <laughs> hey, I just want you to know I love you. And I think God is, a, he's got such great days ahead for us. Folks, we are such in an amazing time of history. Are we perfect? Seriously? Of course not. But how do we begin to grow in Christ? How do we help one another? How do we serve one another? How do we stay focused on the main things and walk with the Lord and joy and experience him? Folks, I, I think these things are all absolutely essential for every member of this body and for those who desire to be members to understand, to walk in, and to be encouraged in on a consistent basis. And if I could close with this thought... Not one of those things, not one expectation can be accomplished apart from the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, apart from the inner working of the Holy Spirit to strengthen us in order to do the very things that he has commanded us to do. When we're not doing these things, all it is is a symptom of the heart. It's a symptom of the heart. And the first and foremost thing to make sure we're right with the Lord. And when we get right with the Lord, watch what God can do. <laughs> Not only to change our own lives, but to express himself through us into the body of Christ, into this local body.
Hoffmantown Church. Thanks for listening to the Hoffmantown Church Podcast. 